No, he's not done yet. God is good. And hopefully that's not what you're, you're saying, you know, an hour and a half from now. It's not done yet, you know. But um, God is good. So I would just want to pray before I begin this morning. Um, we're going to just continue with what we started a, uh, a couple weeks ago, I guess. But anyway, so Father God, we just thank you for your word. We thank you, Lord, for the lives of your heroes and the saints, Father of, of the past, that are recorded in Scripture, Lord, that as we walk or read about your walk with them and your working with them, Lord, that there's so much, God, that we can gain and understand and learn and receive. And so, Father God, as I share your word today, Lord, I just believe and receive, God, that you give us ears to hear, hearts to understand, and, Lord, just to take hold of wherever we are in our own walk with you, Lord, to be willing to take that next step. And I ask this, Lord, in Jesus' name, amen. I'm going to get my, my bottle ready. <clears throat> so um, if you were here a couple weeks ago, we shared about Gideon. And we're just going through just little tiny pieces, just little tiny pieces. And today's no different. We're going to just take maybe two or three verses. I don't really know if it's four or five or what it is, but it's just a handful of verses. Um, and we're not even going to go try to go through of the whole story of Gideon. We're just, just in the very beginning of God's interaction with him. So just to kind of get people caught up with uh, where we are in our passage the angel of the Lord appears to Gideon. The nation, Gideon is uh, Israelite. He belongs to the nation of Israel. Their, their land is overrun by enemies who have taken over. And they take the harvest of the Israelites, leaving the Israelites with nothing. So it's a, a terrible time. And it's been happening for years. So Israel is impoverished, poor Nothing there, no harvest, because it always goes, the enemy steals it. And so this is where we find Israel. This is where we find Gideon. Gideon is, is uh, threshing his wheat in the wine press. So he's trying to separate the, the chaff, and the, so the seeds fall down, and the chaff blows away. And so, but he's doing that in a wine press, and he's trying to hide it from the enemy so the enemy doesn't steal it. And this is where God meets Gideon. The angel of the Lord comes to him and is there. And last week we covered just the few first few verses. And if you'll remember, God tells Gideon through the angel of the Lord, you're the man. You are a valiant warrior. You are going to bring victory to Israel. And, and all we covered last week was just that message, what the angel said, and what Gideon thought about himself. And where he was and the contradiction and the challenge of Gideon to be able to take the word of the Lord and what the angel of the Lord was saying. So we're not going to go over that again. That was, I guess it's online somewhere, but, but anyway, or if I can send you the, my little slides. Um, so what we're going to do this morning is we're going to look at what happens next. And I love how scriptures are so real. The people are real. 
And a lot of times, the people are weak and make mistakes. They have faults. They're not perfect. Even though they do great things, they're just people. So let's take a look today. And again, just kind of as a reminder, where we, we got with, we finished last time, which you can go ahead, Mike, with the, actually, Mike, just go, go ahead and go all the way to the scripture, Judges 6, where it says Judges 6. Thank you. Um, so if God has challenged you to do something, you know, that's what Gideon's, that's what Gideon is. God is asking Gideon to do something. God is asking Gideon before, though, he does something, he has to be willing. Is he willing to step into who God has made him to be? Is Gideon willing to step into who God has made him to be? The potential that Gideon has to lead a nation in war. I mean, that's a really big thing. You're talking about a farmer who is threshing his wheat, hiding in a wine press. Is he willing to stand up and become a general to lead a nation into war? All right. So this is where we are. Judges chapter 6, verse 17. So, again, we're finished with all that message that, that he's given. And this is, Gideon's, this is what Gideon does next. This is what Gideon does next. He doesn't say, yes, God, I'm your man. He doesn't say anything like that. This is what he says. So Gideon said to him, being the angel of the Lord, if now I have found favor in your sight, then show me a sign that it is you who is speaking to me. If now I have found favor in your sight, show me a sign. That it is you who speak with me. If I have now found favor in your sight, show me a sign that it is you who is speaking with me. God, is this really you? God, is this really you? So let's, let's look at this a little bit and why. Um, you can go ahead, Mike. We're going to look for a little bit, just for a moment, on how well did Gideon know who was speaking to him. It may come as a surprise. It may not. I mean, if we, a lot of times we just read the scriptures and we just don't think about these things that we don't realize them. But um, Gideon didn't know the Lord. Gideon had never met the Lord or had an encounter with the Lord before this. This isn't like David, who's out singing psalms and worshiping the Lord and has this really strong relationship before he kills Goliath and does this amazing thing. Gideon's situation's different. Um, you can go ahead and advance it. We kind of already covered those things. If you remember from last time, though, Gideon reminds the Lord of all these great things that God did for Israel in the past. So he knows about the Lord. He knows what the Lord 
has done. He knows what the Lord can do, but he does not know the Lord. This is his first time confronting or having any sort of encounter with the Lord. He has no history and no experience. Not like David. He's not a David. He has no history. So, and again, I, I know we won't get to the scriptures when I was writing this. I didn't know if we would or not, but, but we definitely aren't. If, if you're familiar with the story of Gideon, God is going to challenge Gideon with tearing down the altar, his father's altar to Baal. Gideon's father has an altar outside their house where they worship Baal. Baal is a false god. Baal was one of the Canaanite gods that were in the land that God was like, this is false worship. When you get there, destroy their idols, cleanse, cleanse the land. Gideon's father is, does not worship the Lord. In our terminology, he's, an un, he's unchristian. Okay? He's not a Christian. He's not a believer. He has, there's nothing. Gideon grew up in the house where they didn't worship God. Gideon has no history with Adonai, which is just Hebrew for Lord. He has no history with Yahweh, all these Hebrew names, even though it's his culture. He should have had it. He should have known who Adonai was or who Yahweh was because that's part of his culture and who he grew up with. Should have been taught to him, but he doesn't know this. And so when the angel of the Lord appears to him, he recognizes something's going on here, but he doesn't know who. Who is really talking to me, even though the message of the angel of the Lord says, I'm going to be with you. So imagine this. Gideon is saying, who are you? Who are you? I don't know you. You say you're going to be with me, but I don't really know who you are. Um, okay, so... The wonderful thing, though, that even though this is Gideon's position of an unbeliever, basically, no history with the Lord, and now God is prepared to him and is asking him to do this amazing, great thing for the nation of Israel. And so Gideon's, you know, he's got this message from God. So Gideon has to know who it is. And so that's why he's asking, God, show me a sign. If I'm going to do this thing that you're asking me to do, you've got to show me who you are. I don't know you. I've never met you before. This is his first encounter. The wonderful thing, um, you can go ahead and advance it, Mike. Um, the next one. The wonderful thing is that God in his grace, in his mercy, knows this. God could have said, you don't believe me? A lot of different things that could have happened. A lot of different things. But God, in his grace and his mercy, is willing to work with Gideon, even though Gideon 
has no history with God. Zero. Even though he's not a Christian, I'm going to use our terminology because sometimes that helps us kind of understand. He didn't go to church. He's not a believer. And yet God still wants to use him. God knows that this is the one. And so God meets Gideon where Gideon is at in his faith, which is basically a zero. Because remember, he has no history. There's nothing other than stories that he's heard that God used to do these things for Israel long ago. Gideon has no personal experience with God. Zero. And God, I really want to, I know I'm I'm belaboring this point because sometimes I think we have the understanding or we have the belief that doing great things for God is for that person because they're somehow special qualified. And it's not about that at all. God has something for each one of us and he's willing to meet us wherever we are. You don't have to go to Bible school. You don't have to, I don't know, whatever requirements, qualifications you think you need to have. Look at Gideon. Gideon didn't have to go to college for four years to do this. God didn't ask him to do any of those things. You know, so sometimes the enemy comes to us and says, you can't, you can't, you can't, you never will be, you never can do. And God is saying, yes, you can, yes, you can, yes, you can, yes, you can. And we're the deciding factor But the beautiful thing is, is even in our weakness, even in Gideon's weakness, God was willing to meet him exactly where he was at. He didn't require Gideon. You are going to have to climb Mount Everest. You are going to have to cross the Pacific Ocean. You're going to have to defeat all the, you know, none of that. God came to Gideon where Gideon was at And he's willing to meet him at the level of his faith, which is a zero. (laughs) He had none. Show me a sign. Show me a sign. All right. So, Judges 16. Or sorry, verse 17 of Judges chapter 6. Well, and again, this is a scripture that we've already read. Read. So Gideon said to him, if now I found favor in your sight, show me a sign that it's you who's speaking with me. And go ahead, Mike. And we've pretty much covered probably what's on these next ones. So again, you know, so Gideon is looking for a sign. Go ahead, next line. Show me a sign that it's really you, God, who are speaking to me. Show me a sign. Not a bad question. Give me proof. I need proof, God, that this is really you who I'm dealing with. And and I know I've mentioned it kind of just um, briefly. Go ahead, Mike. But God is asking Gideon to raise an army and fight an enemy that's out far outnumbers them and has been ruling over them for a long time. So, So what God is asking Gideon to do is not, you know, go tie your shoes you know, or do something simple. He's asking him to do something that in, in, I mean, any one of us, if you, you know, your phone rings, this is President Biden, which I know most people wouldn't want President Biden to call us. We don't even want him for our president, but still, you know, if he asked us to lead an army, you know, you're going to, you're going to be the person that's going to take an army into whatever, Ukraine or something. I mean, that's a big deal. 
I mean, it's not a little thing that God is asking Gideon to do. Which, when you stop and think about it, Gideon has amazing potential to become a general. Here he is, hiding, but God says, no, you can be a general. So, um, all right, so let's just go to where the slide that says verse 18. So this is the next verse. So this is what Gideon is asking of the Lord. He asks one for a sign. God, I need a sign that this is really you. And this is what Gideon says. Please do not depart from here until I come back to you and bring out my offering and lay it before you. And the angel says, I will remain until you return. Please do not depart from here until I come back to you and bring out my offering and lay it before you. And he said, I will remain until you return. Now, again, Gideon knows a little bit of the history of Israel. When Israel came out, there were all the signs and wonders. But what else did Israel do? Moses built the tabernacle. And so Gideon must have heard at some point, oh, yeah, God, you're supposed to give him offerings. You're supposed to, and he's, he's got an altar at his house to this false god that he's watched his father make offerings on and slay bulls and whatever else they used to do for offerings. So he knows that if it's a god, you have to worship him and you offer offerings to them. So God, if this is really you, let me bring my offering. Let me bring my offering. And the Lord goes ahead and says, okay, do it. Bring your offering. Okay. Remember, Gideon has asked for a sign. All right. Verse 19. Then Gideon went in and prepared a young goat and unleavened bread from an ephah of flour. He put the meat in a basket and he put the broth in a pot. And we'll go ahead into the next, next slide. And he brought them out to him under the oak tree and presented them. Okay. So this took time. You got to catch the goat. You got to kill the goat. You got to all the stuff. Skin the goat. Take the cups of meat you want, put them in the pot, build the fire. We're talking about time. Stay here until I get all this done. I'm going to, I want to bring you an offering. He doesn't know what an appropriate offering is. Okay? Remember, his experience with God is zero. Like, he doesn't, he must, they must have never gone. See, all this time, the tabernacle that Moses built is there in Israel and there's priests, there's those that are keeping it, but Gideon doesn't go to it. He doesn't go to church. He doesn't go to church. Do you know that God reaches out to people who don't go to church? He loves them. He has a plan and a purpose for them. You know, this is just amazing. So Gideon goes, goes and does all this. And remember, Gideon has asked God for a sign. Let me bring you an offering. So Gideon says, I, I know this is what you're supposed to do. You're God, so I'm going to have to bring you an offering because that's what you're supposed to do. So verse 20, the angel of the Lord says to him, take the meat and the unleavened bread and lay them on this rock and pour out the broth. And Gideon did so. Okay, so... You can go ahead into the next slide. So here's Gideon. He's got his goat meat. He's got his pot of broth. Pot of broth. And then he's got the 
cakes or whatever unleavened flour cakes that he's made. He sets them on the rock. So Gideon says, let me bring you an offering. But the angel, when he comes back with it, the angel begins to give him instructions what to do. Gideon says, let me bring you an offering. Let me do this for you. But the angel of the Lord, when Gideon comes with these things, he doesn't just let Gideon do whatever Gideon wants to do with it. He begins to direct Gideon, do this, do this, do this, okay? So lay it, lay it out on this rock. Verse 21, okay? So again, Gideon has asked the Lord, the angel of the Lord, for a sign. Verse 21, then the angel of the Lord put out the end of the staff that was in his hand, and he touched the meat and the unleavened bread. The next, next slide. And fire sprang up from the rock and consumed the meat and the unleavened bread. Then the angel of the Lord vanished out of his sight. Okay, you can go to the next slide. Remember what Gideon asked for? And I know I'm, I know I'm repeating it over and over and over. I'm just, anyway, it's not a real challenge, not a real difficult passage today. Gideon wanted to see something. God, show me something. <laughs> you know, now we've got fireworks. Whoo, you know, you, you know, he touches the staff with the, on the, the rock there. The fire consumes it, and he's gone, vanishes. Like, if you were Gideon standing there, it's like, oh, I guess I asked for a sign. I think God answered. But remember, God is meeting Gideon at the level of Gideon's faith. And what then begins to happen, remember, God's asked Gideon to do something. Gideon says, okay, that's fine, but you're going to have to show me a sign. And, and, and you know, we're not going to get into the rest of it today, but you'll see that pattern continue. Gideon starts to have relationship with the Lord. He gives that offering. The angel tells him what to do with it. Gideon follows those instructions and, and does some things exactly the way the angel tells him, and then something happens. And there's this pattern of a... You get, this is, again, the very, very beginning steps, but most of you have probably read or heard the story of Gideon many, many times, but there's the next step and the next step and the next step. And you'll see this pattern repeated where Gideon, okay, God, I need you to do this for me. You know, and, and it's just beautiful how God continues to work with him, even in this, his little bitty faith. So the Lord encourages Gideon. Gideon asked for a sign. And what did God give Gideon? He gave him a sign. Did God tell him he was a bad person for that? No, he didn't. But you'll hear preachers say that. <laughs> and, um, and then again, remember that what God is asking Gideon to do is not a small thing. It's a really, really big thing. And, 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 I, you know, and again, we're not going to get to it today, but 
you know, if you want to, just just take the time to start with Judges chapter 6. We're about halfway through just Judges chapter 6. And watch God's dealings with Gideon as he just continues. It's, it's beautiful because the thing to remember is that Gideon is learning how to walk with the Lord. He's learning. And he learns that. God is willing to take the time to teach him. He, he teaches him exactly where he is. He only asks him to do what he can do at that moment. Gideon, he didn't ask him again. When Gideon brought that offering out, he didn't say, now go to the tallest mountain 10,000 miles from here. No, he just said, lay it on that rock. Lay it on that rock. All right. So um, at this point, Mike, I think I'm just going to use my thing. So you can probably just turn that off. I'll just use my little thing to kind of remind me where I am. What I want to do now is, is switch gears a little bit. Because when I was preparing this message, I was all excited about it because I just love to see how God um, worked with Gideon, where he was at, the level of his faith, and just walked him through. Um, and it was, it's just beautiful. It's so beautiful to see God's care for Gideon. He took time with him. He was patient. <laughs> he was merciful. And always met him where, at the level of his faith. But one thing that, that just, you know, I just had never really thought about before was in my own personal experience of my own walk with the Lord, where there was at one point in my life where I felt the Lord was challenging me to do something. So I'm going to just tell a tale, a story. It's a true story, but. But the reason I'm telling this is because sometimes we get it into our heads that if God asks us to do something, we're just supposed to do it. And, and that's okay. Like if you are at that faith and you're able to step into that and you're able just to do it, that's fine. But if you are not at that level of faith, it's okay to ask God to meet you where you're at. It's okay to say, okay, God, if this is what you want me to do, can you do this for me? So, I mean, and, and I'll kind of explain. Because that's what you see God working. God worked with Gideon. He loved Gideon. He was merciful to Gideon. He didn't require something of him that he could not do. So um, uh, this is from a long time ago when I was still in California. I'm, I'm working at a boys and girls club, and I'm working part-time, and it's pretty close to minimum wage. <laughs> California was expensive even way back then. And so um, one of the things that I began to figure out, you know, trying to figure out how am I going to meet my needs, how am I going to meet my needs, how am I going to meet my needs, one thing that I figured out was that if I could run my own daycare, that I could charge so much for each child, you know, and then that would... You know, I could I could make this work. We could use the church. We can use the building there. So I I felt like this was what God wanted me to do because I could do it as a Christian daycare. We could teach about the Lord because I couldn't do that where I was working at the Boys and Girls Club. Um, and if you're not familiar with what Boys and Girls familiar with what a Boys and Girls Club is, it's just a place where kids drop off parents drop off their kids after school. So it had after school programs, and then summer we had them all day long. Um, it was low cost, and uh, it was nonprofit. 
anyway, so, so, but I kind of felt like this might be something I want to do. Well, one day I'm washing dishes or doing something in my house, have the TV on, and uh, I used to watch, I was a single person, no life, zero life, you know, so I, I watched a lot of Christian television. And there was a lady on the TV, this Christian show, and she was giving her testimony. And she talked about how the Lord had blessed her to be able to open up her own daycare. Well, that got me on. That got my attention. I'm like, what? What? God will do that? And, um, and, so, and I don't even remember what else she shared. But whenever I heard her give her testimony, I kind of felt like, Lord, I think you might be giving me confirmation that this is something I'm supposed to do. So, like, I had a really strong desire to not be poor. Anybody like that in the room? You know? And so sometimes it's hard to know what is my desire and what's really God. What is just me and what is God? And that's where I was. And so whenever I heard this, it's like, okay, God, just like Gideon, is this really you? Is this really you? And, and the Lord reminded me of this little history that I had with him when I was preparing this message. And it was like, oh, I've done that. I've asked you, God. And so this is, this is what happened. So I said, God, if this is really you that are, that's asking me to do this, I knew that the first step that I had to do to open my own daycare was to go to school. There was uh, one class that you had to have. It's only one when you stop and think about that. That gives people the qualifications to watch your children. Only one class. Anyway, but um, so I knew that I had to get this class so that I would have the credential or qualifications to open up a daycare. Anyway, so, but I didn't have the money to do that. So first thing I didn't have was the money. The second thing I didn't have was transportation. I did not have a car that would make it to the town. I didn't, I didn't have a vehicle. So I didn't have money. I didn't have a car. And the other thing I threw in there because I thought, well, maybe, you know, having to go back to school, I might have to write papers. So I might need a computer. So with three things, I laid on the altar, <laughs> or whatever you want to call it, and I put that before God and said, okay, if you are really wanting me to do this, you know, God, that I need these three things. And in the natural, I had no way to do this, okay? I, my income is limited. There is no savings. There is nothing. So it's going to have to be a miracle. So, um, so I laid that out before the Lord. You know, God is so amazing. And God is so good. So these are the things that started to happen. You know, when you ask the Lord for something, and you, you know, Pastor has often shared that when you, when somebody, you have a friend that buys a car, a certain kind, or you maybe get a new car, and then all of a sudden you see them all over town when you thought you were the only one. Well, that kind of happens when you start to ask the Lord for something specific, you start to look, you start to look and you're like, okay, is that it? Is that it? There's an expectation that comes. So, um, so the first thing, I'll, I'll do the computer first. So um, I had ended up with a computer. It was an Apple computer, one of those old square, funny-looking ones. You know, this is a long time ago. And, um, 
And I had kept it, and I, I, had a, I had some friends that I knew that were homeschooling their kids, and they needed a computer, so I had given that to them months before. Like, I didn't even really remember it because I had given it away. So, so I had a computer way before. This is way before I asked God for a computer now. I had done that. And um, that particular family, they, they never had a computer before. <laughs> and so they, after I asked God, God, I think I might need a computer. They call me out of the blue. Hey, you know, we really appreciate that you gave us this computer, but our kids have done something to it, and it's not working anymore. It's like, okay, well, you can can give it back to me, I guess. But I want you to realize I didn't tell them anything about needing a computer. God did. So that computer that they thought didn't work, you know, I visited him often, and so I brought it back with me, and then, you know, I can't remember, a disc or something was stuck in it. I took the disc out, and it was fine. You know, so, so, but I had a computer now. They didn't know I had that need, but God did. They didn't know. They knew nothing about it, but God did. I didn't tell anybody about this. The next thing, remember, I needed transportation. I didn't have any way to get back and forth. So the next thing that happened, um, I rode my bike everywhere. The, um, my parents call me. Again, I haven't told them about my dream, my vision for a Christian daycare, all of this stuff. I haven't told them anything. And uh, I had a, 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 my great-grandmother had passed away and had left a car, an old, I think it was an Oldsmobile. I'm not sure what kind of car it was now, but I... Anyway, so it was an old car, but it ran. And they said, they called me and they said, hey, could you use a car? God, is that you? God, is that you? And so I said, sure. (laughs) I know, I was tired of walking and riding my bike everywhere. Um, So there's the car. There's the computer. The amazing thing was, is that when it came time to register, you know, I never, nobody ever came up to me and gave me, you know, here's $1,500 to go to school or whatever it would have cost. Nobody ever did that. But when it came time to register, I would have that amount. I mean, it, it wasn't a terrible amount, you know, as a resident, you know, so it's just resident tuition at a local junior college. So it wasn't like tens of thousands or anything like that. It was probably in the hundreds, but I had, I had it. When the time came, I had it. And it was like the first couple times I went to school, I had to ride the bus. I had the money for the bus fare. I had the money for the tuition, but I didn't have the car yet. So, so, I, so I had to ride the bus. And I remember riding the bus back and forth to school. And then the time came that I had the car. Now you have to believe for the gas money to go in the car. And it, every time, that, that, those, that would be there. So the money didn't come as this lump sum, here's this for this. It came as I needed it, as I needed it, as I needed it. But it was there. And so the bottom line was, um, um, Mike, you can go to the last slide. The bottom line is that If God has asked you to do something, it's okay to ask that question. God, if this is really you that's asking me to do this, can you do this for me? Can you do this for me? And like in my situation, it it was things that I would need to do what he asked me to do. So like if there is something that you need 
in order to fulfill whatever you believe he's asking you to do, and you don't have that thing, say, okay, God, can you give me that thing? And that helps me know that I know that this is really you. So in my own situation, when it came down to it, I finished the classes, had that credential in hand, and God did something completely different. You know, it, the, the bottom line, it really wasn't so much about me starting a Christian daycare and saving all these kids in the neighborhood. It was about me learning how to walk with God. And that's okay, too. That's okay, too. You know, um, as we learn his voice, learn how to hear him speak with us, it's okay to ask God, is this really you? And let him begin to just give you these experiences. Have him walk with you. And, you know, there is so much each one of us is capable of, has potential to do. Some of us may have been in a service where somebody's given us a prophetic word, or it may be just the Lord speaking to our heart. That's fine. And if the thing is, is we have a choice to either step into that or to back up and say, well, I never really knew. I never really knew, God, if that was you or not. We can step into it. The good thing is, is, you know, there's been things in my life that I've stepped into that weren't God. Some of you may listen to Joyce Myers. Years ago, she used to tell a story about how, you know, whenever she got saved, she got on fire and, you know, the church said, you need to go door-to-door witnessing and doing all these things, working in the nursery. How many of you have ever worked in the nursery? How many people feel called to do the nursery work? <laughs> Okay, look at nobody's raised to get their hands up. <laughs> Dirty diapers aren't a crime. <laughs> but, um, but if you step out, you will find out. Like if you feel God, I think God is maybe asking me to do this or that. Just start taking those steps. Ask him, you know, if there's things that you need, ask him, Lord, I'm going to need this if I'm going to do that, that you've asked me to do. And he will do that. He will meet us where we're at. And there is a, an amazing adventure available for each one of us in our walk with the Lord. Amazing. Absolutely amazing. And there's no telling where the end may be. There's no telling. There's no telling where and what God will eventually do with any one of us. We have amazing potential. Well, Thank you for being such good listeners. We're finishing early, but I'm sure nobody has a problem with that. But if you would stand. I'm going to just share this. You know, in my own walk with the Lord, there's been a lot of things that I thought I was supposed to do and that I was called to do. From coffee houses to, I mean, it was just, I, I did a lot of coming up with ideas. I could do this, I could do this, I could do this. God, I can do this for you. But what really matters, you know, and in all of those, you know, the Lord will help us. He'll help us know, like, what we're really supposed to do and we're, when we're wrong. It's okay, though. It's okay to, to allow him to kind of gently move us in whatever direction. The thing that we all need to be aware of 
or avoid, if we can, is to do nothing. We have that choice. Gideon had that choice. We each have that choice. We have the choice of an amazing adventure and a walk with God. Or we have a safe, comfortable Christian life that most people would be like, well, that's what it's supposed to be, isn't it? Isn't that what it means to be a Christian, where you just go to church and... No, there's much, much more. And your, your mission field may not be a, a room full of rowdy kids. It may not be, you know, whatever... But God does have something for each one of us. You know, there's a, Oral Roberts University has a statement that's all over the campus everywhere, but it's into every man's world. And God has each one of us strategically placed in someone's world. I don't go where you go. You touch lives I will never see, most likely. We live in a smaller community. I may see them, but you have an opportunity to touch people, but I'll never have that opportunity. Pastor will never have that. Pastor Shelley, you know, and so we each have an opportunity to touch somebody's life with love, goodness, kindness, and the simple thing of hearing when God says, do this, and we step out in faith. Or before we do it, we question him and say, okay, God, if this is really you, it's okay to do that because he'll meet you there for that next step. You know, um, it might be that he asks you to just do something simple like mow the neighbor's yard or whatever. It's okay to ask God for confirmation for that. If you don't feel like you need confirmation and you're just going to do it, that's fine too. But, but it's okay to step out and find out. And, and, and journey, begin to learn how to hear his voice because... He is speaking. He is speaking. So, Father God, we just thank you, Lord, that you are good. You are merciful, Lord, even as it was, was just so just communicated and shared in our time of worship today. God, you are good. And, Lord, you're not only wanting to show goodness to us, but to all the people around us. And sometimes, Lord, you need us to be your hands and your feet and to step out and to do some things at your direction. So, Lord, today, I'm just asking God, continue to take us into whatever our next step is. Help us to hear your voice, to know, God, that it's you speaking with us and that we would be willing to take that step of faith and to step out. And, Lord, if we don't, Know for sure that it's you, to, that we, Lord, I give everyone permission today, even as you gave me, even when I didn't even know I needed it or, or thought that I might need it, that, Lord, that you can meet us where we are. If we need a sign, you'll give us one, and it's okay, because you, are, you love us, and you love, Father, whoever is around us as well. And so, Lord, we just thank you for this. We just, we just thank you for your goodness and your mercy and your love and your patience and grace with each one of us. And, Lord, let us begin today a new journey of faith. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Well, thank you, everybody, for being such good listeners. Um, have a great 4th of July, and we will see you next week.